Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Audible Farm Podcast. It's episode number 39, and I'm sitting down with Gene Walker. That's right, Mean Gene Walker. I don't know if anybody calls him Mean Gene. You know, um, I'm sure somebody has, you know, in history somewhere, but uh, maybe that should be a thing. Maybe it shouldn't. Maybe it already is a thing. I should have asked him when he was sitting here. Uh, The two of us didn't know each other before we sat down and talked, and you know what? This turned out to be one of my favorite podcasts I've done. Uh, it was just an overall a great conversation. We went through talking about uh, all the bands he's played. Well, not even all the bands he's played in, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, this you can tell just by looking at it that this is a long episode. So, uh, I don't know. Just strap yourselves in. It gets philosophical at the end. And uh, you know what? I love that. I love sitting down and talking to people and uh, seeing what makes them tick. So, I want to say a huge thank you to uh, Gene for stopping by, and uh, everybody enjoy the podcast. This is episode number 39 with Gene Walker. It's the Audible Farm Podcast with your host, Peter Stockdale. Gene, Gene Walker, uh, you and I haven't met really before this. So in the driveway. Yep. So this is it. We got a we got a a five minute introduction, and we're just uh, sitting down, and we're gonna do it. You were we're talking MGCC, and uh, MGCC. I'm assuming is lettered for everybody in the band. Does that sound right? That's pretty darn close. What 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 is the MGCC? Well, it's father, son, father, son. So it's uh, oh, cool. Marshall, Gene, and then it's actually our carbon cohorts. So it's uh, our two sons. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We've been, I've been wanting. Well, it's, it's Marshall Dodge and his son Cody Dodge. Okay, and then my son Chris Walker. Oh, cool. So you know, I've been wanting to play with Marshall for years. We've been wanting to play together, but he's been, you know, he's been in a lot of bands too. He's a He's my age, so he's been. He's from uh, Detroit, I believe. Oh, cool! You know? Wow. He used to, you know, hang out and watch Ted Nugent in the bars. You know, so that's sweet. Yeah, that's so, cool, man. That's, that's his school. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, I, I haven't seen you play other than maybe at a jam night. What? Um, you live in a cave, or what? I? Oh, pretty much. Oh, that's <laughs> well, you are in a cave, right? Oh, well, yeah, we are actually in my little man cave, the studio. gear cave, and yeah. Now that I look at the. Stack yeah. a rack of amps here. Yeah, there's there's stuff on the walls and, and sitting around. I uh I, I used to be in multiple bands and I hated dragging gear around. So what all I did was just brought a different piece of gear to every show. Guitars and guns, man. That's a good combination. You got it. All right. Oh man. So like uh ski band, right? That right. Would, that would be the original like when I was first growing up, someone's like, You gotta go see the ski band. They're awesome. And and so you guys were one of the bands when I was first growing up that was like around the area, one of the the go to bands. So it would have been like what, in the two thousands, like two thousand Uh yeah. Um early to mid two thousands would have been when I first started playing guitar. So sweet. Yeah. I mean, give or take a handful of years in there. But yeah. Well, we were together from two thousand until well, two thousand eleven. Oh cool. So, um, yeah, the end of 2011, almost 2012. So, yeah, it, it tragic and, and it ended tragically with my partner in crime, Dean Morris, uh, passing away. You know? Yeah. So, but you know, we had a good run, 32 years, and a lot of fun, and 
ate a lot of drummers. Oh. But, you know. <laughs> that seems to be the way it goes, though. But like, and then you then you look back at my podcast list, and it's like I've interviewed like four drummers. So almost ten percent of everybody I've interviewed has been drummers so far. So they're, they're out there. They're all weird and flaky, man. You know. Uh, well, all, they're all... it's because they're in like fourteen bands. You know, <laughs> it's like how come you haven't responded? Well, because I'm drumming for another band right now. I shouldn't say anything. I started out as a drummer, so. I think a lot of people started out as drummers. Wanted to be, you know, and I still do play, you know, when I when I have a chance, jam night or in the church band, I, I play drums when no one else is available. But, you know, they let me loose once in a while. That's, That's pretty cool. I can count to four, okay. <laughs> so what got you, like, started into music? You said you drums first. Drums first, yes. Actually, uh, from Iowa City originally. Cool. And, uh, my buddies... Uh, started getting into music and you know back in that day it was you know the late 60s i was into uh credence and tommy james and the shondells and you know then when the first uh beatles record you know my first my first beatles experience was really abbey road you know i bet it i bet it's in there i've got a stack of records over there somewhere yeah Flipside abbey road you know the one long song was usually my ward signature take off the speaker stereo your early walkman headphones you mm-hmm. on either side of your pillow yeah <clears throat> that yep. was that was i listened to every night oh that's awesome so yeah i was into that my buddy was into jj kale and and you know blind faith and clapton and all that stuff so that was yep. the other side of the thing the blues uh influence back then but mm-hmm. yeah i started out as a drummer started playing on a oh some cardboard and some I had a big old stump for a bass drum. My mom says, you know, if you could play those things, I'll buy them for you. Oh, I'm cool. Like, well, so, I, yeah. Well, I walked in and was able to play them and bought a set of Ludwig's Black Pearls. It's like Ringo's. Oh, cool. Just, cool. Uh, you know, it's a small trap set with a sizzle cymbal, you know, the old rivets in the cymbal, you know. What was the thing that drew you to the drums then? I was just beat man, you know. I just, I've, I've always been that way. I'm a bass player now. And, yeah. And, and uh, so... You know, started out in drums and wanted to be a guitar player and then ended up being a bass player because we had a way better lead guitar player than me. Yeah. And uh, I thought, man, that'll be easy. That's, that's easy stuff. Yeah. And then I, I found out that between the, you know, the drummer and the bass player, we got control, brother. Yeah. You know. Well, the, the thing is, like, I always find that playing the bass is kind of easy unless you want to play the bass well. Um, well. Because you can be, play basic and, and it can get away with it, but... There's people add their own sauce and flair to every single thing that's going on in a bass. The good ones, you know. Well, you know, you name guitar players, you can name, what, 20, you know, guitar players that come into your head and and you say, well, how many bass players? You're like, uh, uh, Victor Wooten. uh, Yeah, I mean, you get Les Claypool. uh, Les Claypool. uh, Chris Squire was one of my guys from Yes. I mean, I always, that sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the sound I strove for. Oh, that's good stuff. But, uh. Yeah, so you know, being a bass player, it's kind of cool because if you want to shine, you can step up and do your stuff. If you want to just fit back in the pocket, you can stand back and you yeah. Know, first few years I played, I never looked at the crowd anyway because I was way too freaked out to be looking at that stuff. <laughs> so I fit in well till I till I got my shoes, you know. Got yeah, p- paid my dues. I still feel weird sometimes going out and playing in front of people. Depending on the crowd, it's just like, oh man, I just it's like that do I fit in here? Or like, what's going on? Like, how did I, how did I end up in this location? That's what Dean used to always have that weird moment where you stop and it'd just be like, oh, what's going on here? Uh, why are all you people looking at us? <laughs> That's hilarious. 
Oh gosh. Yeah, our our bassist in Three Finger Betty does a lot of uh kind of just hiding out on the side of the stage and sometimes he just turns around and he's it's not like he's scared or anything. He just he just likes to stay in the pocket and kind of hang back and do his thing and Yeah, my eyes are closed most of the time if I'm in the groove. You know, music is the I don't know about you, but music is the only place that I can be that I'm nowhere else. Yeah, it's uh pretty much all encompassing yet uh it I don't, it's hard to describe. Like when I'm playing at jam nights and things like that, I start playing a song, and as soon as the nerves are gone, I'm like, "Wait, the song's over!" Like yeah, it's like yeah. it just—that's how it happens, you know. And yep. people talk about that, but it's—it's it's not work. It's but it's at the same time, it's the only thing you're concentrating on. But you don't really have to concentrate while you're doing it, you know. Yeah, you experience that once in a while. You have that Zen moment of you know a lot of jam nights. I've jammed with Ober and Sean Minikus and. Mm-hmm. You know, Dean Davis, the human metronome. Oh, I mean, man. You know, I cannot wait to get Dean Davis in here. People he, have people have been like, get a hold of him. And I've, I've gotten a hold of him, but I've been slacking. But I've seen him a couple of times, and it's like, whoa. Yeah, that man has uh, played in a band called Locust that was just phenomenal back in the 70s, you know. Oh, cool. There's Yeah. I mean, we could, I, could, <laughs> I could tell you some stories. <laughs> a lot of guys. I mean, you got a lot of work to do yet, so you're never going to run out of. I, I will. Not, that's the thing I'm finding. It, it's yeah. not going to end. I could stay. I could stay up in Fort Dodge and Humboldt area and do this for about two or three years before I have to start doubling down. Yeah, like you, you got rock and roll bands like the Senders have been together 50 years, man. So, yeah. You know, there's 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 a lot. Fort Dodge is rich in rock and roll history of jazz. Well, jazz. You know, they're they're under the table. You know, those Jake Merrick guys and those. You got what Vino, and you yep. got uh, what? Uh, who's the piano player? Oh man, don't make me guess it on. Um, <laughs> don't put me on the spot like this. Uh, uh, it's Gabriel. Al- yes, Gabriel. Yeah. Uh, my goodness. Is, is, is Al Al Alves? Alves? Yeah, you're on your own on his last name. Something oh, like I that. I know him by Gabriel. Yes. I played in, with Church a couple times, man, and he's. Whew. Yeah. Uh, when I sat down with Alejandro, he was telling me about it, and I was just like, oh. Oh, okay, and uh, Merritt was telling me about it too, and I was so I might have to. Yeah, those yeah. are the, the jazz guys; they kind of fly under the wire. Now they're playing out in the open, though. In yeah, front of people actually. So you know, uh-huh. so they're out of the bag. So mm-hmm. yeah. that was always kind of fun. Like, uh, like we were talking about, like at least with Alejandro, it was like, what can you bring to the table while you're here playing? And everybody has their own flavor, and it was kind of fun watching him go up to a jazz night or a jam night, and it's like, well, this is now just differently flavored stuff going on you know and it's it it's just crazy like to go to these jam nights and see all these people play and to but it it sucks because you only get that tiny little glimpse of them like a couple songs three four songs of of anybody is not enough you know i want more of everybody you know well being a bass player is you know also playing to the music you know which um, you know i'm sure vino knows and you know most players know they've been around a while you can overplay the drums you can overplay anything but you know you want to you want to do your part and a lot of people you know the bass player you're never up front you know you're the kind of the guy that <laughs> unless you're nikki six or something you know? yeah yeah you know, you're, you're just really that people don't know who the or flea or somebody like that you know yep but, so yeah you, you really don't stick out so much at being a bass player but you are a very supportive part of the band you know yeah um i mean it's it's integral i uh there's been one show where our bassist couldn't make it in Three Finger Betty, and it's like, hey, you uh, want to fill in on bass because we already booked this show and he can't make it. And it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it, you know. And I'm just kind of like, 
I'm not even the lead guitarist. Like I'm rhythm guitar, but I'm the guy playing leads during while the singer is singing because he can't do that. You know, so then when he's not singing, he plays all the, so I'm not kind of just like a extra rhythm guitarist anyway. So it's like, yeah, I'll play the bass. Dude, it's harder than you think. And it's, and it's harder to always stay in the pocket with the drummer and like, yep. I don't know, with the guitar, you can get away with sliding around a little bit ahead or behind the notes well, a little most, bit easier. Most bass players and most people in a band will take a, a drummer that can count to four and, you know, four equal increments over a period of three minutes over some flashy drummer that, you know, <clears throat> can yeah. do everything, but mm-hmm. not in time. Uh uh-huh, Yeah. You know? But you know, that's it's true. It's really cool. You can spin the sticks and do all that stuff. But uh, you know, that's where, like I say, the human metronome. Dean Davis. I played in him with him. But geez, back in the seventies, we had him fill in with a band called the Johnny's A Street Buzz Band back in the seventies. And uh, Johnny Paso was our drummer back then, and he couldn't make it. He was in the fields. And Dean came in, and uh, Johnny was the best drummer I'd ever played with in my life up to that point. Uh-huh. And Dean came in, and I'm just like. Wow, this is just incredibly <laughs> steady. Yeah, you know, and it was a song he'd never heard before. Got in a pocket and we recorded it in an afternoon, and that was, you know, that was my introduction to to uh, Dean Davis and his amazing skills. Yeah, but, you know, he was a studio musician, I I believe, out in California for a while. So I've heard stories. I I I wish I knew. I the only like it comes back to jam nights the only time i ever got to see him was at jam nights at patty's pub as a matter of fact the first one i ever went to was uh one that uh ober is like you want to be a house musician for this you know it's like sure i'll come up there and do that so i played a handful of songs and it was packed with guitars so it was like you get you know five songs then it's like all right let's let's let everybody fly in through here and i'll close the night out but dean davis was sitting up there and he he gets in for a song and i'm just kind of like eyeing him because i don't know him and i'm just like eyeballing him and all of a sudden it's just like Holy crap! This guy's a friggin' amazing. And you know yeah. he's he's not always just keeping beat with the kick and snare. Sometimes he floats it around and he syncopates it in, and then he comes right back to doing. And it's like how and how are you? How does your brain map this out to do this? Yes, he's 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 a lot of fun to play with. I got to do a uh, a album. Well, I guess it was what for? Well, it was Ricky Ricky Moore's last record, and I I recorded it. I don't know, five songs or so with him out to the studio. And it was, Ricky just had everybody come out and it was almost like a jam because he had the songs, the structure of them. And you just came out and you learned your part on the fly and you played what you felt. Mm-hmm. And Dean was, was drumming. I played bass and there was know, a couple of guys. Jeez, Shelly Botriff was out there. There's at three chick singers and, and we had cool. a harp and we had I Dude, mean, that's... a real a real harp, you know. Oh no way. Oh yeah. That's it cool. Took them about fourteen hours to tune it, but it was, you know, <laughs> banjo and I mean so, you know, that kind of creative stuff, man, is, is really cool when you when you get that stuff thrown at you like that. You oh know? yeah. And Jam Night does that to you, you know, for sure. Oh yeah. It's like here you go. Yeah, I mean, I've got to play with some people at Jam Nights I did not ever imagine I would get to play with. And, uh, I mean, as far as even, like, drummers, just, like, even standing next to just Jeremy Ober and playing, and it's not, I'm not saying just Jeremy Ober, you know, but, like, he's out there playing at every Jam Night, and I was just too shy to get up there and try, you know. Right. And then he, he find, he's the kind of guy that just picks at you, and he's like, good up here, you know. You know, once you well, if you, if you, you've got to know everybody yeah. around here. So a little bit, yeah. We're not that way, man. It's like, come on, play. Yeah, we're, we're not here to judge you. If you screw up, well, you know, 
it's jazz. You're only a note away from the right yeah. note. You know, play it three times and then you're it's right. Yeah. It took me a long time to realize that everybody wants you to go up there and have fun. They don't want you to go up there and, and be the absolute best and blow their brains out and be the greatest. You know, you have to shred, you know, and it's none of that stuff. It's just go up there and have fun. You know, well, I'm sure you were the guy like I was that wouldn't play in front of anybody unless I knew what I was playing and when I was going to play it. And, Ex- oh, for know. so long. I mean, like I like to tell, I started when I was like 16. I quit somewhere in my mid 20s and I started when I was like 27. And it wasn't until I was like 28 or 9 that I was finally like, oh yeah, I can get the hang of this jamming thing a little bit. Finally, you know, finally I can get this. And that was like what got me to finally be like, I'll join a band, you know, yeah. I'll finally do it, you know. It stretches your wings, puts you, puts you out there and... and well, a lot of people never do it. They never get the joy of it. Then you get guys that are so good jamming, and that's all they do is they play, and you go, why aren't you in a band? Well, I really don't want to be in a band, which I, yeah. you know, being the age I am now, knowing, uh, being through all the different st- phases in a band and different bands and stuff, I can totally I can totally understand that now. Oh, yeah. I was like it was before. I was like, whoa, what's wrong with you? Well, there's nothing wrong with the gentleman yeah. or the lady. Yep. Uh, they just don't want to play in a band. Yeah. They just like their instrument. And, yep. and they've mastered, you know, and some people do that over several instruments just because that's what they want to do. It's Yeah. It, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. Music's, you know, music's the one thing that... You know, and you, t- you you can take one note and you play that one note and it just makes you feel good. Or you maybe bend a little bit and mm-hmm. it makes you feel good. Yeah. And so that's that's music. Yeah. That's all it takes. It, yeah, exactly. So that's, you know, that's that's what's cool about music. You can be the worst musician in the world and who's ever opinion and, and it sounds good to you. Well, right on. You yep. Know, you know. I mean, I will never forget being a kid growing up and just like plugging a guitar in, hitting distortion and playing an E power chord was like the coolest thing in the world. You know, when you're first like, oh yeah, I'm going to get this one day. It's like, what else do you know? It's like nothing, you know, but like distortion. Yeah. Yeah. This sounds so good. And you know, it's like, that's the feeling you get. And you're just like, I, I'm going to keep this going as, as long as I can, you know, for sure. And you know, unfortunately my you know love for music never really like wavered. I just uh, didn't have the time or energy or mental capacity to, to put into even playing a guitar i was kind of just down and out on it because i felt like i plateaued and couldn't get any further you know well and, you always have well as you well know there's always some place to go yeah with any instrument so yeah i'm i'm learning that it's easy to feel like that once in a while especially you know when you go to jam night and see somebody that just like oh, yeah why am i even trying but, yeah no, no, it, it, and and once you understand that that the, there's a place for you uh, anywhere in music, man. Uh, that's that's what I really love about it, and, and that's what I love about the musicians around here, man. Is they don't, you know, bring it on. Yeah, fun. let's 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 play. That's all we really want to do. Let's play and let's have some fun. Exactly. You know, that's that's and that's been that way for a long time around here. There's, yeah, there's a lot of cool. We're finally getting more venues. You know, Patty's yep. is gone, but you know. Got to play the last night there. I, I yeah. had a lot of history in that place before before Gina had it, even. But you know, you know yeah, some, was, something else will come up. Yeah, it was Pee Wee's before that, correct? Pee Wee's before that. That was on the floor. They had yeah. Pee Wee on the floor there, or was it? They say Pee Wee's. I think it's a Pee Wee's. Yeah, Pee Wee's. Yep. yep. Right in the vinyl. Yep. That's uh. That was one of those things. I w- I remember going there and just being like, "Oh, this is Pee Wee's." When the first time I went there, I was like, "Nice." I I never went to Pee Wee's. You know, when I was we were pretty basically the house band between us and the cave band. We were pretty much the two house bands there, and we would uh, shift you know switch off playing New Year's or you know 
Halloween used to be a really big deal. You know, you yep. used, you, all that stuff used to have to have reservations to get in and stuff like that. Things have changed changed a lot since. So it's starting to come back where live music is is starting to be more supported. But uh, you know, back in the seventies and the early eighties, we'd hop in my van and we go to Livermore, we go to Bancroft, we'd catch four different bands, four different sets in one night. Oh, that'd be the best, you know. But that's yeah. back then too. You you know, you could make money playing music too. Yeah, that's true. But you had a crowd. Yeah, and so. it's not to say you can't like make money playing music, but it's if you wanted to live off of it, it would be super difficult today. Um, it's doable. It's doable. I mean, you could really engross yourself in it. And be like, I got a music store. I give lessons and play in a band. Like, if you really want to double down on everything, right? You know, you can do it. But uh, I mean, and you can play in a band doing it too. You just not be able to. do exactly what you want to do Mm -hmm. uh you might appeal to the masses but there's there's a lot of that going on you know and and justifiably so like i feel like every band that is a a cover band has kind of found its niche to be the band that they wanted to be given uh the cover band limitations it's like you play a couple songs that everybody knows but you still get to play the songs you want you know right that's that's the dilemma i'm in right now with this new band is that i played in a cover band for all my life up until until you know 2011 2012 and then i i decided i wanted to be in a band that we played all original music and that's been a challenge yeah yeah you know it's been a real challenge and lucky's you know patty's was here and a few places around we played but uh you know, unless you want to go to Des Moines and play for nothing, you know, or, you know, if you can draw a crowd, then, you know, then you can sell some tickets on your own and, and do it right. You know, the underground used to do that up now on uh, Algona, I believe, you know, yep. that's how you made your money is you sold your tickets and yep. that if you wanted paid, which I don't really think is that bad of an idea. If you want to make a bunch of money as a band, you, the bar owner needs to make some money too. So, yeah, but, you know, back in the, back in the day. Uh, you could, you know, people went to see bands. You could knock down seven fifty, eight fifty a night for a four or five piece band. Now, uh-huh. now to try and do that, it'd be a stretch. It's a stretch. Yeah, yeah. You you got to have a pretty good following to yeah. be able to do that. And and which you, rightfully so you should. You know? Exactly. I mean, and it comes down to like, what are you going to bring to the table? Uh, right. Um, like you said, bring a following. Are you going to play music that people are going to listen to, or is it is it not going to fit the bar or right. the clientele? Uh, are you just bringing amps and standing there? Do you have lights? Do you have smoke machines? Like, <laughs> yeah. do you have shoddy equipment? Do you have nice equipment? You know, and it's it's tough to find your little range in there too, though. Um, exactly. Exactly. Um, or you know, every band I feel like is going at what they want to do in a different fashion. Like there are bands in Des Moines that only do the pay-to-play shows or the ones where you have to sell tickets just to be on the show and you know you have to sell at least 20 and then and then you know like if you don't you have to make up the difference monetarily and that's the pay-to-play method for some promotions or some places down there that's how they do it and and you know that's cool because like a lot of those places they'll do that stuff and the band is is going to pack the house you know it's going to almost sell out vaudeville muse you know and you're like holy cow if this place is going to be wall-to-wall packed i might as well give my band a shot at playing this even if it's going to cost me a little bit of money sure and if you have t-shirts you're going to make that back you know especially right. if you went out there and and did your just desserts you know right right um but that also comes down to you gotta you gotta bring it, you know. And it's not always just as easy as showing up and playing your tunes and leaving. No, things have changed, you know, with social media and the way to promote yourself and, and things like that. Back in you know, back in the seventies, we just geez, we played fifty weekends out of the year and we'd play different places on Friday night, Saturday night, play week long shows at 
He's mothers in Des Moines, Brad Sixth Avenue. You need know, play play a set, and the dancer come up and dance for 15, 20 minutes, and you get up and play another set. Mm-hmm. And that's, but you know, that's 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 the way it was. Um, and you had a crowd, yeah, you know. But we, it was all in Des Moines. Uh-huh. It wasn't around here, you know. That that was. You know, in in the seventies, you did have at one point there was probably five. You could have five different venues in this town that have live music and country music, yeah, and uh, you know different different things like like that. But <clears throat> that was that was a short period of time. It's uh, it's not like it. It's not like it is now. It's you know, this, being an old guy, you know, I've I've you know run through all this stuff, and mm-hmm. it, it's coming around. I think today, as a musician, you have more opportunity to get your stuff out there if you really want to hustle at it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, with the internet and everything. I mean, the ability to record stuff at your house with a pretty high quality, with uh, almost no money invested in hard hardware and stuff. Like, it's pretty wild. You can spend a couple hundred bucks and, and then have just... It's like, oh, wow, I got a microphone and interface and a laptop, and you just plug it in and go. And Eastside Window, didn't they do that at Chris's place? Uh, I'm not sure where they recorded that. I think at, but. I think Chris did most of that stuff in his studio, which is you know basically a home studio. Uh huh. And I mean, listen to East Side Window. My goodness. Yeah. You know? Oh my gosh, that's so good. <laughs> you know, that's that, that's a killer tune, and uh, it's recorded well. Yes, yes, it is. You know, um, and I think that was done. I don't think it was done in any major studio. No. Like, where have you gone to record stuff? Like when you recorded things. Well, that's where we've kind of come full circle too. Most of my stuff has been recorded at Juniors. We did some stuff at S and R with so the ski band. Juniors is uh, the one in Otho in the barn there. Correct. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's still still all analog. Um, I mean, you know, the clown used to go out there quite a bit and record. He'd bring in his Pro Tool stuff and take over the studio. But yep. but most of the stuff Kirk records in his own sessions is all on twenty uh, four track. Yeah. Tape. Yeah, I want to say that the claim to fame for a lot of people that like don't know what Juniors and Otho is, it was there was um, I want to say like Slipknot may have recorded their demo there or something, or they a handful of them have been there and recorded stuff. I do know that for a fact, but uh, I'm not exactly sure 100 percent on that. When Sean comes out, he takes over the place, and I don't know you know how often that happens. Um, and I don't you know the state of the, their band now. I don't I don't know either, but you know. Beach Boys have been there, and yeah, and geez, there's you know, there's dude, don't act like it's not going to be difficult to get nine people to all eight people now, but to all agree with each other, geez, like all of us have a hard enough time with a four person band, double that down and try and get along with everybody. Come on, exactly. I mean, everybody gives them a lot of guff, especially like you know, in the Des Moines scene and around the area, everyone's trying to to be the next slipknot without being slipknot you know and i get i get the gist of what's going on down there it's tough to overshadow this thing that everyone's like oh, are you you know it's just des moines and iowa is just slipknot so you can't leave iowa without having that hanging over your head you got to try and find a way to to go around that sure but uh man they have definitely done very well for themselves being oh. just an iowa band and uh, regardless of any guff that anybody gives them, they're all super talented. Uh, they are all multi instrumentalists. It's yep. it's insane. Yep. I uh, I don't know, man. That's- well, see, that's what I'd have to do to go back to that mainstream line. Is I'd have to put a mask on so I could see how old I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! You know the masked band thing is pretty funny. One time I saw a band and it was uh it was called Fun Gone Wrong and they had beer boxes that they painted up. 
and they just like wore beer boxes on their heads, but they like painted them up to be like, you know, kind of like masks. <laughs> Something <laughs> special. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is hilarious. These guys are awesome. I saw Here here Come the Mummies the other day. Oh, it's, cool. They played that for me on, well, they were actually on Bob and Tom. And they were all dressed up in, yep. the, in their stuff. And oh, it's neat. like, neat, neat. and I didn't know the story behind them, but I guess they're all funk guys. Yeah. And they're all in major funk bands and they can't really show their faces because they're contracted to other. <laughs> That's what I had heard. And I wasn't 100% sure on that. That's the story I heard. So, you know, the crazy thing is that. That's uh, regardless of whether or not that's true. That's amazing. It's a good way to get some hype. And those guys are good too. <laughs> yeah, they write songs. I think every song, one of their songs is some sexual innuendo, though. Yeah, well, uh, you, you know what? Which you know, whatever you know, sex sells. So, yeah, you know. I mean, if you got the ability, I feel like if you have the ability to say it without actually just saying it, you know, actually putting <laughs> your tongue in your cheek instead of just saying it, like it's 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 creative, and I'm going for it every time, like. Every one of ZZ Top song is the same way, yep. but they didn't like literally just come out and say. Well, no, they their, their song is, is just, you know, it was I Like Dick, and they kept showing pictures of Dick Tracy and Dick Cheney and, uh-huh. you know, Dick Clark. Uh, well, why can't you like Dick? You know? Exactly. There's, There's nothing wrong with that. No Nixon up there, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, there might have been. There might have been. Well, I guess some people like Nixon, so. <laughs> well. He was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the politics hour on the Audible Farm podcast. Oh, man. So you first started out playing the drums, and then you said you went to the bass. At what point in time did you, like you said you were in a band, and you were like, I kind of want to be a guitarist, but you had a better lead guitarist, so you went to the bass. What band was that in? Then? Well, first band I was in was in when I was you know, a teenager in Iowa City, a band called Avalanche. I did play drums in it, and... They told me I played the cymbals way too much, but we eh. we, we got over that. <laughs> I overplayed. Uh, after that, I, I started playing guitar, actually, and started jamming with some people, um, Ed Wilson and, oh, Mike Prophet and some people, and started a band called Johnny's A Street Buzz Band, and uh, we ended up getting a really good guitar player at that point, and that was 75, I think it was. So uh, we didn't have a bass player, so... There you go. That's, that's I was I went and borrowed Eric Nelson's bass up until he said I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> Over to his mom's house. Hey, can we get Eric's bass? We want to practice. And <laughs> so finally, I went down to uh, Advanced Audio in Iowa City, which actually Paul Dressler. I don't know if you know him or not. Uh uh-uh. uh He uh, you probably need to interview him too. He was working at Advanced Audio at the time and sold me my first. Precision P bass. This is a 60, cool. 66 P bass. Jeez. And a, uh, a PV400 head and a Sun uh, Bass Reflex double 15 cabinet. Sweet. That's that's a nice setup. Yeah, so that was I played that for a long time. Yeah, yeah. PV's my jam in case you uh, yeah. Can, yeah. couldn't figure that one out. Yeah. It's like the best, most cost-effective amps ever, probably. Well, yeah, you know, you can... Drag it behind the truck to the gig, pee on it, you know, bump it up the steps, plug it in, and it works. Yep, and it's it's going to sound good. Like, and believe it or not, if the PV stuff does not work, you know, we rented a board once from Remans for some production show, and it was some big thing with feedback control and all this stuff, and half of it didn't work. And Ed and I looked at each other and said, "Well, you know, what you got to try first." So you pick it up about a foot off the ground and you drop it. <laughs> And it worked. <laughs> That's hilarious. And early ribbon cables, man. They just didn't. Mackie did the same thing. You know, the ribbon cables and Mackie's were this. Yep. 
And if you would just scream into the microphone, you know, it would make the connection. And we had, we ran Mackie Power Amps for a long time. So, yeah, PV, PV stuff is now, you know, Crest Audio. Was it Crest Audio and PV are all together now, I believe? I'm not sure, man. That's... And if you're buying a, a PV Power Amp, you're buying a Crest Power Amp. So it's all basically the same stuff. Now. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I've... I'm a big fan of like, I don't know, I, when I first started playing, I had like a, a Marshall stack, you know, and it was a cheap, like MG Marshall stack. I was like, you gotta have that Marshall tone. Everyone's gotta have Marshall, you know, and it's like, Oh, I'll get the solid state one, you know, whatever recently just sold it. Uh, kind of bummed. I sold it. It actually sounds really good for being as cheap as it was. MG 100. Yeah. I got one. I mean, there sounds super good, dude, for, for being Dean bought one. Cause he couldn't turn his knobs right. And there's so many good presets on that yeah. Marshall that yeah 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 yep. that was the, the amp for him because yeah. it was like hey I need to spend too much time getting the getting the tone uh -huh. and you know digital moduling or whatever that whatever's on that amp uh, worked real well for him yeah and it's great I I loved mine and like I said I just recently got rid of it but uh, when I when I decided to upgrade from that quote unquote upgrade somebody's like try a PV triple X because I was looking at uh, at the time at maybe getting a Mesa. And they were like, just try the triple X, you know, you'll be, I think you'll be impressed. So I found one, tried it and was just like, dude, this is, it's like a quarter of the cost. Like I'm totally going to get this instead. So you got I, a 5152 then? I got a 6505 plus, okay. but, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, and I don't even take that thing to shows. That thing's never left this basement since I bought, you know, and it's, it's whatever, but it's, I, I do like amps. I got into like, you know, I don't want to say collecting them, but I've got a hand, a small handful of <laughs> yes, them <you> do. <laughs> and I, I like them. I, I, for a while used most of them at shows. A lot of shows I was doing a, a buy amp setup, but it's just like, you're playing punk music. Quit dragging so much stuff everywhere. You know, like nobody's going to care if you're a gearhead at a punk show. Oh, it has to be as loud. Yeah, pretty much, you know? And I, and I, I like bringing gear everywhere. I've got, you know, like a 10 pedal pedal board set up i like having all of my stuff at my fingertips to do all the things i want to do it's like a, an artist with his palette but at the same time like you gotta get away from that like i played a show at the rock and picnic i made a, a little band in like a about a month and called it the stockyard and uh jeff blummel played drums and oh, nick Earhart played bass and uh dan blair played the lead guitar for me and i, I did a little singing and i was like i'm gonna bring this classic 30 out here because i almost never play this thing so i like got a fender with single coils and single coils aren't my bag so then i like tuned it into this you know classic 30 i was like you know this sounds really good though you know it's it's not what i would normally go for but it's that kind of ingenuity through something fresh yeah it's that's probably all it really was was just something brand new and i was like this is awesome i like the way this feels yeah. do you ever run into that anytime when like playing stuff like even if it's just like a small gear change um or like yeah i'm i'm lately last quite a few years i've been a hard key guy and uh, mm -hmm. oh yeah uh, but you know before that i ran the full pv gamut for a while i was running a citation 16 and uh ibanez just a rack mount compressor uh limiter uh geez had an eq on it and it had a uh a parametric eq on it uh -huh. and, and just ran straight straight that way into a citation 16 which was like 150 watts a channel oh cool all solid state yep then I went from that to double stack into a, a PV Max base, and then uh, I went to uh, 3620 bottom, cool. two 18s, two 10s, and I set a keyboard yep. on top of it. it. had two 10s and a horn in it. Oh, jeez. That was 210 watts, too. And, and so that was – I played that stack for a long time, and then I traded that in on a, you know, like a five-string base. And I, 
then I ended up playing it through a hard key, and I was just like, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, the only thing that turns my trigger more than hard key is like GK. GK's got some rumbling stuff. They got those, those are, they're like uh, 412 cabinets. Uh-huh. And you put two of those together, and it's just yeah, unbelievable. I feel like the bass amp and all the bass gear recently is kind of, it's morphing. Like, it's changing. There's a, the scope of what's out there. Like, it used to be like Ampeg and, and Heart Key and maybe Trace Elliott. Like, there were a couple others, maybe, but like, it wasn't too many, and now there's you go into a guitar center. It's like I don't even know if I remember ever seeing some of these brands before, right? You know, and like the Fender Rumble amp, uh, it's sixty watts, and you pick it up, and it's twenty two pounds, and you're like, what's going on with this? Right. Like, and it works well, and it works really, and that's like yeah. the mind blowing thing is like you used to have to have the super heavy, like you know, nine ply treated plywood. You know, now it- I played through. Uh- who was it? Uh, either Jeremy Ober or uh, Jeremy Pearson or uh, it might have been Vino's amp. I think he's got a kickback ampeg that it's just it's like a single fifteen and it just it's incredibly loud uh-huh. and clean. Mm-hmm. And in one speaker, I'm looking at that thing, thinking it should be blowing up at any point. As loud as I'm playing through this thing, mm-hmm. <clears throat> no technology is, you know, that in the, in the digital world has really made life cheaper and better. Yeah. Which is, is, you know, usually not the case. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I mean, when I first started playing guitar, you'd pick up digital stuff. And this is even, like I said, like 2003, four, something like that. And it's still, it would have come a long ways till then. And it still was just kind of like, you go get some cheap digital stuff. And you're like, oh, this, stuff, this isn't as good as it could be. You know, and it kind of just, and nowadays it's like, I had I just recently, uh, I'd run into an Avid 11, eh, Avid 11 rack. And it's literally just like a, uh, like a Kemper or something like that, where it's it's just got uh your amp your cab your microphone that you're using and like everything like inside of this like digital unit and you can just send it straight out to a pa from there or record from that or like just send it to a power amp and use it that way so is it an emulator then instead of a uh yeah uh, is it modeling i mean they, uh, it, uh, do, it does all of the modeling for everything okay. like i said you can even change the uh like the the microphone you're using to mic up the <laughs> the cabinet that i'm using air quotes because it's not like you're actually changing a microphone you're right. just changing eqs on it somewhere but like and even that it's just like man this thing sounds amazing you know and you can go online and people have already dialed in a ton of presets and you're like oh man i don't even have to do any work and this thing sounds this good you know and it has come a long way. Like you said, with that Marshall, like you just out of the box, these things already sound pretty darn good. And yep. Yeah. Dina was playing a hot rod DeVille before that, which is a, what a powerhouse amp, mm-hmm. but we had to put it in a box somewhere, to, you know, to get the tone out of it. It was this way open back, you know, mm-hmm. too loud. Yep. You know, uh, sound man would just, was not your friend. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. He, he wanted screaming and he wants to be able to control it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So yeah, I, I my uh, two fifteen base bottom that I I have my case in. We would turn it sideways and stick it in sideways. Mm-hmm. Hang a towel over the front of it, leave a little ventilation into it, and that's how we had still mic'd. It was still loud, mm-hmm. incredibly loud. But, yeah. I so. mean, I've, I've seen people doing that with. Uh, like uh like i've got the classic 30 here but a lot of like older fender amps and things like that they'll they'll pin them at like 10 and then they'll put something in front of it so it doesn't blow everyone away but you still got to get that tone out of it if you want it like that junior brown production company we did some stuff for him state lion rally and uh two fender twins wide open yeah one nothing else bass player <clears throat> traveled with him was just kind of his road manager and the drummer they'd hire as they went in mm-hmm. drummer could pick three 
So I don't care what it is. It could be a snare drum, hi-hat, and your ride cymbal. It could be a snare drum, kick drum, and your hi-hat. <laughs> but you're only getting three. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> that'd be crazy. Like, I'd, I mean, that makes... If you, it makes you think about it. Yeah, I mean, you almost think you'd have to have a snare and a kick, but you, I guess, don't necessarily have to. You could, you know, how weird could you get, you know, a yeah. timpani and a, 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 a tambourine and what, uh, uh, one of them by bicla- Clavis, you know, I don't know. Yeah, 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 no kidding. <laughs> you know, you, you could get pretty weird, you know. That would be thing. nuts. Oh, man. Uh, and that, that just comes with that innovation through constraint kind of thing again, you know, like right. if you start pinching down your options, that's what, that's what happens. This gentleman shows a ride cymbal, snare, and a kick drum, which would, probably would have been my choice. Too. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's... yeah. That's uh that is pretty much bare bones all you need. That's like a a cocktail drum kit if I ever saw one, you know. Right. Uh, so what are some of the biggest shows you've played in? I'm I'm sure you've played dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of awesome shows. But if you had to pick a handful out that you were like, "Oh, this is a pretty big show or this is a special one to me or these were pretty fun." Um probably, you know, a couple of a couple of the shows that have been there's been yeah, quite a few, but a couple that really stick out is Playing with John Kay and Steppenwolf at like the second or third abate rally. Cool. That was. I used the same microphone. I got swap spit with him. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> so it was. It was pretty sweet. That's awesome. And the band got up and played "Born to Be Wild" with us. That was. That was pretty cool. Um, you know, we did a lot with the Bay. We were like the first band to play the first Freedom Rally that they had up up in Humboldt. So with district 10 first formed so yeah we were involved in that quite a bit that's cool the other the other show yeah that show was on a hay rack with generators so (laughs) dang (laughs) so it was pretty bare bones bare bones yep but the other show probably would be uh opening up for grand funk uh we did a dragon boat show at kennedy park and there's i don't know there's probably three four thousand people there you know i was there you there? I was at that show. So I have seen you play, but it's that was a while ago, was it not? Yeah, that was a while ago. Um, yeah, that was a while ago. But when we got through playing, I can't. I think we got through playing Frankenstein. So we always had one epic song that we'd always play. It'd be whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got a standing ovation. Yeah. And that was like from your hometown. You know, that was that was pretty special. Yeah, that would be something yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a pretty big deal. Yeah, we've we've done quite a few. Rightfully so, though, if you're gonna play Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, we would always. Oh, geez, we would play. We had a Deep Purple medley that we did, that was just in, intense. Um, but we would always challenge ourselves to do that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, yeah. Some of the hardest songs I've ever played, cover songs. You know, it's like you know, one by Metallica, and and. Uh, it's a fun one. Oh, geez. You know the, the beginning, beginning bass line at P cells is always really fun to yep. play. Yep. Yep. And we just we just always had a signature song that we would always you know. You know Frankenstein was that for a while. Um, Dean was a, a guitar instructor. You know standing between Dean Morris and the ski band was Dean Morris, Phil Smith, myself, and uh, John Passo. All right. Was the original original members of it? Well, actually, the original members was was uh, Craig Aaron's from Sac City, and uh, uh, Ed Wilson from he was from Claire. Um, 
they were in the band to begin with, and Dean ended up joining us a little bit later. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Ed ended up actually leaving the band and going to running sound for uh, a band called Rocks. Oh, cool. Which was a pretty hot band at the time. And uh, ended up coming back to us because we wanted him to engineer for us, and he wouldn't do it for a while. He was We had kind of a parting of the ways. And he came back and engineered for us. And, Phil, and then Phil Smith joined the band. Excuse me. No, you're cool. And uh, that went on for, for quite a while. Um, then we, well, actually, that was the lineup for quite a while. And then uh, John ended up going back, started having a family, and went back to the farm and left us. And we then we had, oh, geez, seven different drummers in between. Yeah. And he ended up coming back in, what, 2006, something like that. I believe it was. I don't know. It's on her bio. I should bring that up so I'm not talking. <laughs> talking what I don't know about. I, I definitely do see the, the commonality for that with the drummer thing, though. Like, one of my favorite bands in Des Moines is, is currently looking for a drummer. Uh, that, at least I saw it today when I was uh, when I left work. It was Transigs looking for a drummer for anybody that wants to play metal and thrash. But that's a, that's a pretty awesome project. I interviewed Eric Tran a while ago, and he's uh, kind of made a solo album all by himself, but he played all the instruments. And when he does it live, obviously he can't play the drums and shred the guitar and bass at the same time. So he's <laughs> got to have other people fill in, and he's looking for a drummer. And uh, it's some intense music. It would it would take a lot from a drummer, but if anybody's out there you know, looking for that kind of a thing, there's there's always gigs for drummers to play. Oh, what was it here? It's like John. John left in '91, uh, just, just earlier than I thought, and came back in 2005. Oh dang! But just I knew I wasn't going to be able to remember all the names of the drummers. But you know Nick Rosendahl. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he played with us for quite oh, a while. Oh, cool. And Lance Larson with Cross, Cross-eyed Mary. Okay. Yep. He was with us for a while. Um, Brent Beerstead. I don't know if you know him or not. Uh-uh. Steve McFarland. Uh-uh. Um. Who else was there? Was somebody else in there? Um, well, Danny Ross. Do you ever do you know Danny? Uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> <laughs> He was he was a thrash guy. He would play in a band called Martyr, which they, those guys were pretty with uh, Dennis Ferrand. Sorry, man. Anybody these any of these people? If you're listening right now and you're like, how do you not know me? Hit me up. Yeah, let's well, let's talk. Dennis, you should interview him. Ferret, he's he's I so I played with Martyr for a while too in in between, and that was pretty much all original stuff. But we did a lot of Tool and Helmet and Cool, you know, that's all, awesome, all that kind of stuff for for a while. But Danny was in that band, and then he came. So he was a thrasher, yeah, you know, and then started playing with us and started playing Skinner. <laughs> yeah, because you know, our band, Ski Band, did everything. We were the wedding band. We would do everything from Green Green Grass at Home to. Thunder Kiss 65. I mean, oh, cool. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, yep. We would play for grandma and grandpa for the first set, and then, you know, last, you know, last set, they'd wanted this bang. That's pretty wild. And yep. So, we did that for a long time until we couldn't stand it anymore. <laughs> so, it was, I was just going through looking at our bio because I can't always remember. It's always been so long. Some of these dates escape me. Well, that, I mean, I I even like was sitting there thinking like man I, like 2003ish was when I got my first guitar that's pretty pretty wild you know 2004 maybe so it's the 90s were kind of our heyday we put out our CD in 95 madman it's just a four song CD but uh the 90s you know were 
a lot of a lot of different stuff going on. You know, we went yeah. from metal to you know Nirvana and went through that whole thing and yeah and and then I mean in the in the '80s it was then Alabama was real popular. You know, yeah. all the country stuff was just tearing the tearing the charts up. And so we actually Dean wrote a lot of country stuff. We entered in a lot of country showdowns, won a lot of country showdowns, <laughs> and uh, booked ourselves as the Ski Boys, and we'd play our off weekends and do all country. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it, it, and we all like, you know, music is music, man. And there's some great country music out there. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Dean wrote Dean wrote quite a few good country songs. And he played fiddle. So we could do a lot of the a lot of that kind of stuff. And, nice. And we ran into a identity crisis because it was a ski band or the ski boys. Yep. It's like, well, who's playing? You know, yeah. what, what, you, what kind of music you guys be playing? So we did that for a while. Yeah. And, uh, and kind of got away from it towards the end. Did more of our did more of our own stuff, you know. You know that would be pretty crazy. Instead of just being the the band that will play anything you want us to play anytime, you kind of split it down the middle and we're like ski band or ski boys. That's pretty ingenious. I like that. Well, you wanted to play, you know, and you wanted to play at that time. Country music was pretty popular. Uh huh. Oh know? yeah. You know, we were, you know, there was country bars in town. That's all you saw was country music, and there was actually country bands that played around here. There were actually quite a few good ones. Yeah. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of country music, I guess, but uh, I still definitely enjoy it. I enjoy country-flavored things more than straight-up country stuff. But I was listening to some, like, early 2000s country, and I was like, this is barely even country. You know, it was, like, it was like super well-produced. There's, like, strings, and like it sounds like there's an orchestra behind it. Like, this... Yeah, it's either that or country rock, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and that was what kind of brought me into the country, you know, thing was, like, you go listen to Southern Rock, and that's like you know country's cousin you know like right and that's pretty much what that is you know and it's like your skinners your molly hatchets your uh you know maybe bad companies uh, i'm just throwing out handfuls of bands but like right any of those bands i was kind of like yeah this is this isn't so bad yeah the eagles first record which i hated with a passion when i first heard it and then you know years later learned to like it yeah learned to appreciate it and actually it was you know it's pretty good stuff but man, at the time i was like what is this crap what are these guys doing? You know, uh, yeah. I was into you know I was into Joe Walsh and all that kind of stuff, man. But I was more into Slade and you know. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know, Slade was the the band that sang "Come On, Feel the Noise." That was the original one. Uh, I so mean, you stomp your hands, clap your feet. You know. Yep. Um, there, there was yeah. But that's another fun thing to do is like you not enjoy some music until later, and then you're like, why didn't I like this before? Like, what? It's not like. I don't ever look at it like this music was before its time. I'm always like, what was my problem? You know, like, how come I just, I couldn't handle horns until I heard 25 or 64. Yeah. Yeah. You know, after that, I was like, wow, wow, that's a really that good sounds song. sounds pretty darn good. You know, and I did that with, I did that with bands that are like, obviously good. It was just like, like Def Leppard. I'm like, I don't like Def Leppard. And then you're just like, dude, how can you not like Def Leppard? Cause when they're not writing banging rock and songs, they're writing songs. that's just like, it's got like three pre-choruses and a chorus and everything is the hook. Like yep. every part of the song is the hook. And you're just like, dude, this is awesome. You know? Yeah, and those guys were, were for real, man. They could really sing and really do that stuff live, man. Yeah. So that was, that was, you know, in the day, there was a lot of good country bands in, in Fort Dodge. I mean, geez, uh, the Outriders, Dick Hewlett and the Outriders, my goodness, Dick Hewlett, that man had a, I mean, a golden voice. He had a Nashville voice. Oh, I mean, dang. Uh, and, Jeez, there's 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 a lot of a lot of good country bands, a lot of good those that style of music bands. Back then, you know, 
Pure Prairie League. I don't know if you ever heard yep, of them. Yep. That style of music was kind of popular. You had the Daisy Dillman band. You had Rural. A lot of the bands from the seventies that you could we could do <laughs> we could do a couple podcasts on just <laughs> dragging up some of this stuff that people probably have never heard of that would probably maybe dig some of that music. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I've I like getting at least one suggestion from almost everyone I sit down with and, and kind of digging into it. And every now and then I'm just like, I love this. So it's it's fun to get to sit down and, and A listen to the music the people I sit down with make and then listen to what they listen to to kind of get inside their headspace a little bit, you know? Right, right. Oh man. I uh I for a while, like uh, like with most things, I, I go headstrong into things so much if I really enjoy them, and I, I find it hard to to walk away from them. And I I bought a bunch of records like right before the record boom hit, because one of my buddies was like, I, I listen to records, so it's like I just went to like all the auctions around the area and just bought everyone's old records they were getting rid of and stuff. And I got boxes of them and stuff, and I just I just picked through stuff I'd never even heard of and pop it on. And that was when I first started like listening to things I never really thought i'd listen to or whatever and somebody's like you got like three moody blues records pop one of them on i'm just like i don't know if i've ever heard the moody blues and, every, and then you hear a couple songs you're like i've heard a couple of these for yeah, sure for but, sure but then you're just like how is this album from start to finish this amazing and people aren't like the moody blues are one of the greatest bands of all time you know like and i'm not saying people don't say that but you know uh, it's just one of those things where you you didn't realize what you were missing until you finally heard it and sometimes it takes you know buying up somebody else's old music collection to do that i mean i was known for doing that with uh cassettes with people for a while because cassettes was almost always like oh you probably got some metal in here like and you know (laughs) probably a lot of rock and roll too so like you'd always dig up people's cassettes because it was the 80s you know and everybody's got cinderella and cherry pie and you know our cherry pie warrant you know warrant yeah yeah, yeah, they got all of all those kind of bands in there that's how i got most of those things to start digging deeper into that I started listening to like Kiss without their makeup on and stuff, and I'm like, I think I might even enjoy this more than Kiss with their makeup. I mean, no offense to anybody out there that likes Kiss with their makeup, but yeah. I mean, I I wished I wished I grew up in a time when a lot of the music I listened to was popular because it sounds like you know even on the local level there were tons of people out there that were still just murdering it, and that's not to say that people aren't out there doing it now, but like. I only have what's out there now to relate to because this is this is I only started going to sh- you know music shows like five years ago. Sure, and uh, that's when I first started getting in touch with people you know one by one slowly here and there, and then uh, you know the podcast was a thing where it's like I got to start talking to these people and and it, it just makes me nostalgic and makes me kind of miss like what was there. But well, well, it's a cool it's a cool thing you do here. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you get a you have a pretty wide variety of people on so and. You get like I say, you got a long ways to go. Yeah, so, <laughs> there's not going to be any lack of uh, information coming your way. Uh, man, a lot of these people. I'll, I'll have to make you a list, man. That's what I, I do. I'd love it. I'd love it. I'll, I'll just do that when I can. When my brain's working right, I got two beers in me now, so it's, <laughs> it's a little fuzzy. So, so you got you got MGCC is your current band now, and uh, I mean we cruised onto Facebook, and it doesn't look like there's a Facebook page. Uh, but um, is there? I mean, we we don't know 100 percent if if you guys if anybody has managed. I haven't. I guess I haven't looked on uh, Instagram. To see if there's an MGCC Instagram. Yeah, page. I've been really lax on that, and I thought that Cody, our drummer, put up a page, but he might have abandoned it. I don't know. Um, and and you know that's that could just be to say I'm not looking in the right spot. Well, it's, um, and I mean that that happens, but uh, I'm, I. I know you guys in a ski band were, were very well known, even though there was not a whole lot of 
uh, social media presence. There was. Um, there was. Towards the end, there was a little bit more. Um, if you look up Ski Band, uh, you'll find a few different performances. I think our Irma performance is on there from, well, we got inducted in the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2010, which was a, was a really cool thing before before Dean passed that, that that was able to happen. That is, that's an honor, man. I mean, that's something. It, it I, was pretty cool, yeah. That's something I feel that it's not going to, like, I don't know what's going to happen with my generation uh, when we grow up and, and it's some of the people I know that's their turn to be in there. I know a few people I would like to, to see in there eventually, but at the same time, a long ways to go that's a lot of rocking like how long were you guys going you know well 32 years yeah so it was it was 30 years before we got you know we got in there mm -hmm. but yeah it was lots and 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 lots and lots and lots of kicks yeah you know it's not just something you can go out uh well you know what it takes uh you know? it takes a lot you know you have to want to you know you're doing it for the what's see we're doing it for the money oh no no uh Glory? Uh, no. No. Because uh, we love it. Women? No. Not no. usually. Not being a bass player? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just... Uh... No, because I love it. Because, you know, the camaraderie, the, the music. I mean, it's just... Uh, until you experience it, you'll never know it. Yeah. And, I, you know, sometimes I go out and I'm like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. You know, I, I drive to Des Moines and back to play in a band. And uh, I do that I, at least once a week. I drive down there and have a rehearsal with them so we can well, stay. I used to do that every night when I played week shows at Mother's. I'd work seven to three, hop in my truck, drive down there, get home at four o'clock in the morning, get up seven, go to work. Dude, yeah. I mean, yeah! like I, I've done that a couple times. And it, <laughs> it wears on you thin, though. It's just like, man, you really have to want it. And that's the thing, you know. And I, I had a 70 Cadillac, man, 500 cubic inch four barrel, <laughs> 17 miles to the gallon. I'd get from my house to Brad's 6th Avenue Saloon in an hour and 15 minutes, man. That's, <laughs> you know, driving as fast as you can till you come up behind somebody. Yep. But, yeah. I, uh, you know, it's like you said, though, you, you just got to want it. Like, uh, and I, I don't know, I'd go places and I don't even, I just, it's not, it's totally nothing, but I quit drinking a couple of years ago, uh, about a year and a half ago. And it's just, uh, it's not like I'm going to quit forever, but you know, maybe I will. I don't know. I just, but, uh, I don't even do it for drinks anymore. So I'm not like a free drinks guy at the bar for the band. I don't, I don't, I just go out there to just to play and just to see people and talk to them because it's nice to have that atmosphere and like the camaraderie of, of going out to see another band and seeing how much time and effort they put into doing their craft and right. how different it is. Live music only happens once. Yeah. I you mean, know. I, and that was originally what I started out doing audible farm as I tried to make a, a YouTube page where I could record. I brought a GoPro and a, a little portable recorder with me everywhere. And I was like, I'm just going to set it up in the corner of the room and record people playing stuff and even if it's not going to be the greatest thing ever, it's gonna it's gonna be something. And I ended up recording quite a few bands playing, uh, I mean, all over the place. Even as far as like, I I've got a recording I did of uh, the band Dark Mirror at the Eagles Lounge in Fort Dodge in 2012 on there too. Wow. So like, yeah, you got quite a bit on it. And there's there's a decent stack of stuff on there. And and some bands even used what was on there to uh, get bookings at other shows. And I mean just uh it was just kind of one of those things eventually i was like i'm gonna do the podcast and start doing that because i gave everybody a, a good enough taste to see these bands but there's still tons of bands i wish had either live video or something capturing the night uh, yeah and i have good audio uh that i should be doing this with <laughs> it's and you know the bass player is usually the guy 
I mean, usually he has the van or the place to practice or he books the shows. And I don't it, know how many bands you've been in, but uh, it seems to be that way a lot. I don't. Uh, it's kind of like not always seventy percent. Yes. You know, of the time it's usually the bass player that's yep. the reason the band is still together. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's so weird though. Like you're uh, the the least flashy, the least uh, you're like the most waste not want not people in the band at like all times. For the most part, I'm not trying to like pigeonhole everybody in the band. It's like who's got their life together? Oh, the bassist, you know. Like <laughs> it just seems to be that way. And I'm not like I said, I'm not pigeonholing anybody playing any instruments. Oh but. no, in the '70s, I was the only guy married in the band. We had a we had a, you know back then when you could make money, we had a band house. You know, we had a recording studio in the basement, and, and uh, if you wanted to live in the house, you could. And we made enough money to pay for the house and oh and, cool and, yeah yeah that was that was a pretty cool time it was uh called it buzz manor and it was on high street so figure go figure what happened there. yeah no kidding <laughs> <laughs> different time different place exactly but uh you know that's that's another thing though like i've i've come to learn that like not every musician is like a straight up partier and that's oh, not to say that no. some of us uh, don't like to party a little bit but uh i mean I found that a lot of people, like, when I quit drinking at shows, it's like, how many people here play music that don't drink? There's there's a decent amount. So I'm never, like, the odd man out, even if I feel like that sometimes at a show, you know? No, but when you, when you quit drinking, I can dig where you're coming from, because I, I quit drinking for a year once, and it was like, people come up and say, hey, I'll buy you a beer. I said, I don't want, I'll take a Pepsi. Wait, what? I said, well, I quit drinking. Well, why? Because I, I wanted to. Yeah. I was just Well, what's what's wrong? <laughs> so, well, uh, nothing nothing's wrong bro i just quit drinking for a while is that yeah. okay well just make sure everything's okay yeah so everything's know. fine don't worry yeah i just had less fun doing it and then like one day i was just like nah i'll just i'll wait until i decide it's going to be fun again and then yep. i'll do it again yep you know and i i don't know i like i just tell people i don't drink because it's easy to say that but it's uh it's hard to just be like no 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 or whatever and for the longest time i would just take people's drinks and they'd be like oh, go, let me buy you a drink it's like okay sounds good and then you just like pass it over to the person next to you like <laughs> under your like arm <laughs> and before you know it like you know oh the drummer's girlfriend's getting drunk at the show you know and it's like okay the, i'm not gonna quit taking drinks from people and handing them around to people you know because <laughs> otherwise you know especially if somebody sees you doing that and they're like this guy's kind of an a-hole he's just yeah, give me all the drinks, and he's just feeding them to everyone he's a else. Poser. Yeah, I don't know. So, uh, for a long time, I would I would hide it, and I would do a tonic water with lime, and and just like walk around with that, and people would be like, "What are you drinking?" It's just like, "Ah, oh, I got this drink." You're like, "Let me buy you another one," and it's like, "No, no, I'm got, I'm good," because you know they're gonna come back with gin. Yep. You know. Yep. And it's even funny going to places asking for tonic and lime, and they're like, "No liquor," and it's like, "No, no, I'm I'm all right for I'm now." Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! I just like the bubbles, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, where do you guys? Uh, how 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 can people find your shows if you're going to play more shows with MGCC? Let me ask you that. Well, that's a good question because that's that's you know social media is going to have to be coming up here because we've always just played at Patty's pretty much. Uh, actually, actually, I was talking to Jeremy the other day. It's like, you think we could do a show with you over at the five hundred three or something? He's like, well, this shows you know the stage is now they're not outside now. He says it's pretty small for two bands and mm-hmm. so. Yeah, we're kind of actually looking for places uh, to where we can play some original stuff. I mean, we do we do some covers, mm-hmm. but not very many. Yeah, and I really don't want to. Yeah, I uh, totally get that. You know, uh, but to do it, you know, to do a three hour show, I'm going to probably have to. We have a two hour show now. Um, yeah, which is mostly original. Um, and we do actually we do some ski band stuff too, which is that's awesome. The band I play with, they're, they're such great guys, and they allow me to. 
to keep this stuff alive because if I don't, if I don't, it, it just it'll die. Yeah. And you know, if I like if I like it, I think somebody else has to like it. It uh-huh. can't just be me. Yeah. Yeah. You exactly. Know. And the, you know, and plus what's what's really cool too is these songs were recorded at a, you know in, in the '90s, and then these guys put their spin on it. Yeah. So we have our stuff, and and Marshall's and Marshall's wrote some really kick ass songs here recently. So we we started out. We recorded four songs out of Juniors. Yep. And, and we thought, well, we're probably going to go back and and just master that and release it. And then now we have, gee, six more songs, I think. Oh, cool. So it's like, well, and now we, you know, we, you know how it is when you write a song and you record it, and then a year later you. It's completely different than you were when you recorded it. Yep. It's, and it's usually yep. better. Yeah. You know, because everything's, you know, and, and nothing ever is the same. With our band, anyway, most of my stuff is, is always an experiment. Uh-huh. I don't, there's always a signature hook to a song that mm-hmm. you have to play, but most of the fills and stuff, man, are, I just try to find, yep. voice in search of that thing that I go, wow. Yep. I always like to try something new with like almost every song I play with Three Finger Betty because it's like, you never know. I might hit something real. I might hit gold, you know, like one of these times playing it and right. it's going to stay there forever, you know. And you never know. I mean. No. And I think Jamma brings that out in you. It's, it lets you allows you to stick your neck out and, and think about things a little bit differently than, than just in this box. Yep. So, Yeah. As far, as far as shows to come, yeah, with Patty's being gone, I don't know where we're going to play in town. Um, I don't know. I don't know what would really work. Um, yeah, because there's not too many like rock and roll venues in no. Fort Dodge right now. Um, not really. Um, as as far as if you wanted to, you know, kind of bring your gear and kind of loosen the crowd up with a little bit of noise, kind of like there's not too many of those places around in Fort Dodge right now. But there are no. places to play if you want to, you know, bust out an acoustic or get a little quieter, play some softer music. Right. Um, stuff with less of an edge, I guess you could say. Right. I mean, you could totally, there's plenty of places in Fort Dodge now, it seems like there, a lot of places are opening up to the idea of playing music, at least. I, yes, exactly. And the clientele is being more acceptable of the idea of music, maybe. I don't know what to say. Maybe the music's getting better. Maybe pe- there's finally more musicians out there. Uh, well, it's probably a phase, you know. Towns go through phases. And I think we're going through a phase, which is on the on the upside for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. No, the solo thing is really you know in my lifetime. You know, it was there for a while, but it's not as predominant as it is now. Yeah, I and mean, I can still totally understand from a winery or a bar owner, or, you know, shiny top, and all these places. You know, you can have one guy up there and still have the same crowd that you would if you had five guys up there. Bingo. Yep. And. But the other thing is, is that some of these guys are making as much as the five guys. Yeah, were. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get, I get all ends of the coin. If you're one guy and you're like, I can go up here and entertain people as much as a whole band. Why not pay me as much as a whole band? But at the same time, like, you're only one guy, though. You know. But it's that double-edged sword. Exactly. And the same thing from the business owner's perspective. It's like, if I got to pay five guys to come here with all their stuff and it's going to cost me like why not just pay this one guy who's going to cost half as much and it's only one guy i mean i totally get where all you're coming from and it also goes back to what we talked about before if 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 you're going to draw you know if it's somebody we don't know and you're just in there drinking your wine and listening to somebody you don't know or if you come to see jeremy over from bingo 50 miles away because you know it's jeremy and you know you're going to see a good show yeah there's a you know there's a difference there Uh uh-huh should Jeremy get that six hundred dollars? Yeah, he should. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> I, because he's been paying his dues. Yeah, know? 
Should I, uh, this guy from Colorado just going through town get that much? Probably not. Probably not. But do, but know? does that lessen his craft anymore? No. It doesn't mean that he shouldn't no. get paid anything. You know, that's the weird thing about the music business. Yep. But you know, if you draw the crowd, that's you know, that's that's e- equals dollars. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, and I mean that's that's that tough thing where it's just like like I said, you almost got to bring something else with to supplement people. So it's like the people that come to see you play, it's just like, well, I got shirts and CDs, you know, or something like that. Uh, even if you're just giving them out, and it's just like, I got shirts and demo CDs or something, you know, it's like, now you can take me home with you or whatever, you know, right. now you'll remember me for the next time I come through, you There's know, a bit break dance, uh, break uh, dance troop here in break time, you know, as we break out the cardboard boxes. Yeah, and, yeah. And do that too. So yeah, that might, people might remember that. Yeah, you never, you never know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's literally all it takes, though, is just going out there and paying your dues, and it's it's a long, tough road to hoe, um, especially to go out there and just day in and day out go out there and do it. If you, and we've talked it over many times, you gotta enjoy it. Like, oh yeah, it's. Uh, that's the reason people do take breaks, though, and I and I I see why people do it now. I used to just be like, why did anybody ever want to quit playing the guitar? You know, like everybody thinks you're the coolest guy at the party when you're playing guitar. You know, like what? Blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, I get it. Like, you get tired of being looked at. You get tired of uh, having pressure on you. You get tired of driving and going to gigs every single day, or or you know whatever it was. Like, I I get it. Like, I I've I put it down for a while. It, sometimes it just takes up too much of your life you know and i you want to go have a family or try to have a relationship with anybody even if it's just a platonic relationship with friends like you can find yourself getting so you know stuck in playing guitar that you don't spend any time with any of your actual friends anymore you know you certainly can my wife has always told me that she's second (laughs) second after the bass after after music yep oh man so we've actually sat down we've done uh over an hour already wow um and we've i feel like we've covered a lot but i still feel like there's so much more to i, just I didn't going. figure an hour would be enough we probably have to do this again sometime i don't know yeah i need to uh i need to do a little research and bring some cards to the table yeah. I, I have had a couple of people do that. They came down with a, a giant notebook written out, and it's like, I got to make sure I hit these points. And it's like, let's do it. You know, and you just start talking, and eventually you run into them. It's pretty fun. Yeah. And then it's nice sure. to have them all like labeled out. Like, I was in this band, and these were all the members. And I was in this band, and these Because it's nice to give your shout outs to all those people that you spent a lot of time with. You know? Exactly. You know, it's, it's almost like a failed relationship, you know, because it's like, even if it's not failed, but like, I look at some of my old relationships, and it's like, I'm never going to dog any of these people, because if I dog them, I stood next to them for how long, and it's going to make me look like a piece of crap, because right. it's just like, if you drag them down, then de facto, you're dragging yourself down, so there's no reason to do that. Exactly. You know, so, exactly. I mean, even if I did butt heads with anybody in any of the bands I was in, I, I'm still on super good terms with them, you know, and it's it's nice to nice to have that in your back pocket, though, too. It is. You make a, make a lot of friends along the way, man. A lot of, and a lot of people that, as you well know, I you know I got buddies in Minnesota. I got buddies all over that I don't see maybe once a year, maybe once every three years. And it's like, whoosh, yep, it's right back where we were. Yeah, exactly. You know, hey, oh, how you man. been? You, you spend there's just never enough time to catch up. Yeah, you know? but, oh, I but, feel you. Those friends are just they're forever. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, whether or not you got to make music with them or share the stage with them or. Uh, or just be around them as as they were a fan of your stuff or something like it doesn't matter like in any capacity. I think that's fun too to find people that enjoy your music 
And because uh, I've I've gone around and been a musician and enjoyed other musicians' music, but it's also fun to find musicians doing the reciprocal action right. to me. You know, it's it's like a humbling but honoring thing, like all at the same time. You know, like like why does that make me nervous and happy? Like at the same time, I it's like pressure's on now. You know, I got a buddy in Minnesota, Mike Sherman, and he used to play guitar for Crow, and uh, he works for uh, well, Backline Company now. Is, unlimited sound or i can't remember the name of the company but anyway we always meet at the rally every year down state line rally he usually does backline for him and we play uh on thursday nights we have the the guy that runs the show myself and mike sherman and we just drag all the stuff out of the production truck whatever he brought for backline yeah and we set it all up and yeah. then we jam that's awesome and we all play songs that you know one guy in the band knows you know uh-huh but, yeah we used to do that. In the last couple of years, we haven't done that. But that that's the kind of stuff that you have fun with. That You, you see this guy once a year, and you know, you'll have a match list and marshals. And one year, I had two GK rigs plus my hard key rig. I mean, oh, wow. I mean, you can just drag everything out and try all the stuff out and, and have some fun. Plus, you know, you make memories you'll, you make memories you'll never forget. Yeah, no kidding. But that that's, that's the fun stuff that you – the people you meet and the, the relationships you make over the years – you know, Randy McAllister, you know him? Nope. Uh, he's a he's a Byron's type kind of guy. Oh, cool. You know, yeah. He, he just lives in his van and, and drives all over and plays. Oh, nice. I mean, those are the kind of people that, I mean, that's, that's you know, he wrote a song about the $110 cheeseburger, you know. Uh, he writes what? Song, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> well, he was going home and bought a cheeseburger and put it on his card and, and uh the thing bounced an overdrawn thing and then oh, by the time he went man. to the next place and by the time he got all over and done with it cost this cheeseburger cost him like 130 bucks uh. <laughs> but the most down earth guy you'll ever meet drives this piece of crap dodge van and well he's probably got something nice now but he probably doesn't because he really doesn't care you know he, <laughs> he's about the music and about the people yeah and about the next town and and he's like he's like a true punk you know you, you, yeah yeah, you, know, you don't really worry about tomorrow. We're going to worry about today. Yep. Yeah, I find that there's like an odd parallel between like the punk people and like I want to say the folk people, but like you know those right. kind of people. That it's like the journeyman. Just, uh, I mean, just uh, find me like a you know punks were like give me a garage and an amp and I'll plug my stuff into it and play it. You know, and like folk were the same people. Like I'll just go into any bar or any kind of hole in the wall and I've got my acoustic and let's do this. You know. Yep. That's uh, that was. It was an interesting thing the first time I ever went out to Byron's. I, I got that vibe almost instantly when there was people just like rolling up on motorcycles and, and you know, like people with license plates from everywhere, not just Iowa, but no. like all over the place. It's like, why? Where? Like, where do all these. And it's Sunday? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> and that's just one of those things, the eclectic places. There's places like that out there that are. They're hidden, but they're there, you know, and, and if, if you know about Byron's, you know it, but if, yep. and if you don't, uh, get to know it. Yeah, you Cause, should. Cause there's no Facebook page for that either, believe it or not. Uh, no, By- I think, I want to say Byron has a page. I think Byron, either by, I think Byron has a page or. I, w- I know that he's got a, he's got a Facebook profile. Yeah, yeah, I think he does. Yeah, he does because I've seen him on my, on, on, I've commented on that stuff before. Yeah. I, he gets some amazing stuff over there and, you know, catches them coming through and there it is. Brian Stewart. Yep. Brian Stewart is, uh, is who it is on Facebook. Yep. Yeah. He's, uh, 
or Byron, excuse Byron, Byron, yeah, B Y R O N. But yeah, S T U A R T. Not to just flood Byron's uh, friend requests full, but uh, he's he's the guy, and he posts all sorts of good stuff. Like it says, he just posted. Uh, he just posted five show flyers. It looks like. Yep, six hours ago. Six hours ago. <laughs> so uh, yeah, June's coming up. So uh, head on out to Byron's. Check out some music. It's got plenty of comments on it. He's he's a great guy. There's some pictures of people jamming out at Byron's. Yep. I love that place. I do too. I should probably give a shout out to my other band uh, I play with. I play with this, this, we call ourselves Blues Grass, I guess, and uh, East End Boys. And we've opened up several shows for MGCC and jam with those guys. And it, it depends on the weekend. Uh, we got a couple of guys from Manson. We got Bob Knowles and uh, uh, Danny Zier. Okay. And then from Fort Dodge, uh, Don Ludwig and Casey Ackerson. And. Uh, Oh, Steve Wells and Pat Ackerson are both both uh, together. So on any given night, we'll have mandolin, banjo, harmonica, dobro, bass, a couple guitars. And That's we, cool. We play a whole bunch of songs by Mr. Traditional. That's awesome. You know, and we do most of that kind of stuff. And I also do play in a church band at Prairie Lakes Church, so... Um, shout out to the my my Jesus band. Those guys are those guys are awesome. Oh man, I don't want to change the topic, but let's look at the screen and look at Byron's cover photo. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It's a whole bunch of Byrons standing outside of Byrons. We did that to you know Mike Ewing. Uh uh-uh. oh, no, he's he's. He's played in a lot of bands around here. We did that once, one year for his for his birthday. We gave everybody a Mike Ewing face on a popsicle stick, <laughs> and he always would get up and jam with us, and he'd get up and play a couple Beatles songs with us and ski band. And so he got up and did it, and everybody as he turned around, everybody had a. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. And that's some of the other fun things you can do in a band that you don't always got to take yourself one hundred percent seriously no. all the time. And I think uh, I enjoy being in a show when bands don't take themselves that seriously. It makes them more personable, you know, uh, humanizes them up there. Just makes them humans, you betcha. Yep. Uh, I, I agree. You need to, it's just like, you know, when you screw up, you know, just acknowledge you screwed up, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Don't <laughs> smash your guitar on a bunch of stuff. Don't get all mad about no, it. No, don't like, get mad. Just move on. Yep. I, uh, I've learned to just laugh it off. Uh, me and the bass player and three finger Betty, uh, consistently miss like one chord in a song. And we did it for like four or five shows in a row. And now we don't miss it at all. And we laugh, we laugh every time we hit it. Up to it. It's just like, here it goes. You're going to get it this time. Yeah. Nailed it. People are probably just like, what are you guys doing? It's like, you should have been at the last show, you know, or. Yeah, it's an inside joke. Yep, should have seen us in 2018. Oh man, this has been a great talk. I've, I'm I'm loving this. It's uh, well, it's nice to meet you. And uh, yeah, you know, I listen to your stuff. I've been listening to some podcasts about a few different things about musicians and how they die and how they live. Yeah, uh, Disgraceland. You ever listen to that? Uh uh-uh. uh Oh geez, you gotta check that out. Hit hit me with a handful of podcasts after this. I will. Um, I'm always I'm always looking for stuff to. I know you would enjoy it. Fill so. my time, so oh, I'd love it. Otherwise, I just listen to comedy podcasts because I like to drive down the road and laugh. That's another <laughs> weird thing, though. Like, you're a musician, you listen to podcasts. Uh, at like what point did that trigger in your mind to listen to podcasts and not music on the road? And and how weird was it for you? Because it feels like for me, I mean, to speak for myself, 
I, it just kind of just happened and I didn't even know it was happening. And now it's weird to play music in the car. I've always been a truck talk radio guy. I'm a George Norrie, uh, you know, well, you know, you're driving home at four o'clock in the morning. Everybody else is gone. You listen to all the different kinds of things on the radio. Talk radio, you know, music, if you can find a public radio station or something that hasn't, I like hearing music that I've never heard before. Yep. Which usually takes public radio or some obscure station. I don't care if it's something classical. You know, I love classical music for what it is. I'll, I'll, I'll try to put something else on. But podcasts came up to the point like that. I, that's something I've never heard before. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in, in, you know, how many times have you heard, I don't I don't know, whatever song. Yeah, know? exactly. Uh <laughs> You know, sweet child of mine, or just name one. You <laughs> yeah, know, you they, know. name one. I mean, it, it, it's just across the board. Sometimes that just, you know, I love that stuff, and that's what I've always said about some of these bands that like pop rocks, and some of these bands that come out and do all this stuff. It's like you know, all you need to play is like the first twenty seconds of that song, <laughs> and the thrill's gone. Yeah, it's like I don't want to hear the chorus. I just want to hear that first part, and then you move on. And I always thought that you should do bands should do that. Let's let's just, let's just do like the first twenty seconds of. 400 songs <laughs> and you'll never lose their attention oh my gosh that would actually would be a fun concept for a band to just uh bail out on a song after every after the pop is gone because everybody's gonna go nuts because they're like oh man yeah you know i mean and i do that too though listen to the radio song you you like comes on you know it, you get that smile on your face and then 20 seconds in you tuned out <laughs> you know you're just you don't even pay attention to it going anymore yeah because you heard it fifty thousand <laughs> times already yeah so yeah that's that that's why I got into podcasts is is because you know and some people say well I don't want people giving me their opinion and I don't want to you know have that influence me well pick choose what you listen to yeah you there's to listen podcasts to for everything political stuff you don't have to listen yeah. to you know opinionated stuff listen to some fun stuff listen to a fishing show you yeah know? you know some I I grew up the whole time and I was uh um one way only i was just like this is my opinion and i'm sticking with it and the older i get the more i realize that my opinion is more fluid uh if somebody gives me a good argument with facts and things like that i'll change my opinion on yeah. almost anything yeah. uh as long as as they can uh, not necessarily even appeal to me but just appeal with facts and and general knowledge it's like those posts on facebook with the guy at the card table with the sheet on the front says chocolate chip chocolate chip cookies suck Changed my mind. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and I, I kind of feel like that though. It's just like you, you could, I could listen to people talk about something I don't agree with one hundred percent, and and sometimes they come up with good points where it's just like, maybe that just comes from being. I was never on a debate team, but I was like debating people. And if you hear somebody's good point, it's just kind of like, oh, that's your big gun. So now I can argue against that with something else, yep. you know. And and it's, it's nice to hear both ends of the both sides of the coin, you know. And it's fun to. You get the left and the right, and if you don't agree with either one of them, then you're like, now where am I at? You know, so it's kind of fun to get all of those opinions and be like, well, I'm somewhere in the middle where most people probably are, but right. the least loud people, you know, because the people on the ends are always the loudest, and that's right. why everybody thinks the world is so polarized now. That's my problem too. I should have been a federal mediator because I I can see both sides of every situation, which is probably to my fault to to a certain point. You know, they say you need to make a decision whether. Uh, you think it's the right one or not. You need yep. to make the decision now. And I have a big problem with that because I, I just see, <clears throat> I'm like you, I see both sides of the, 
both sides of the situation may be too yeah. much. Yeah, it's weird because you're just like, you hear two people arguing, you're like, hey, can we just meet in the middle? And they're both like, shut up. You know, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm the problem, you know? And then a couple of years down the road, where are they at? They met in the middle. And it's like, are you serious? I said that, you know, back then. They're like, you know, they're pretty much just like, shut up, Ross Perot. <laughs> or like, you know, or whoever, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter who it is, but it's it's tough to be that odd man out, you know? Yes, it is. Yeah. No, but, uh, I, you know, I do feel that we are, uh, even just listening to podcasts and hearing a lot of people's opinions, it's, I think we all are still on the same team. We, oh, yeah. We yeah. just don't necessarily, it's tough to get some, it is tough to get someone else's opinion pushed in your face, but uh, you just also got to take that with your own end of the coin and just don't push your opinion into anybody's face, you know? No, I'd say 98% of everybody out there is, you know, playing the same game and, you know, kind of on the same page as far as, you know, not pushing your opinion so much on it's always the the fringe that's going to stick in your face and and you mm-hmm. know not listen to compromise of any kind yeah i mean before the internet these people were like out in uh the streets in new york with trench coats on <laughs> saying the end is near now they're on the internet no i'm just kidding uh i could i could very well be one of those people too you never know <laughs> oh yes, man we could be Oh, so if uh, people want to get a hold of you, I guess, or find any of your band stuff, um, where where do you think would be the best place? Probably uh, hit you up on Facebook, or yeah, probably just hit me up on Facebook. All it's right. Gene Walker. Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, I'll I do every podcast, take a picture with the person, and post it on my Facebook. So like uh, the Audible Farm page will have a picture of me and Gene, and it'll be tagged with Gene in it. So. If you want to try and track them down, you can. <laughs> Good luck. You can do that. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're probably like me. I'm one of those people that has just tons and tons of friend requests just sitting there that I don't. Um, yeah, I do. And and it's tough because like a lot of it's like I don't know if I know these people, and I'm. I mean, it's it's pretty bad. Um, so if you're listening to this and you sent me a friend request, I just scrolled through the probably sixty or plus or whatever I got. If you if you know me or if you just listen to the podcast or something, just say hi. Tell me where you know me from. Sometimes I'll just add you because because whatever. But it's I like trying to know people. It's kind of weird letting people into my social media bubble without knowing them even just a little bit. I agree. And uh, even if you just said I went to one of your shows and saw you or I listened to your podcast, that's cool. Hit me, you know, I'll, I'll totally add you. Just say something first. There's people I've sent messages to like, do I know you? And they don't even respond. And it's like you just sent me a request. I was, oh, but it's it's tough. It's really tough. It is. But uh, yeah, Gene's on Gene's on Facebook. Uh, I'm not sure. You probably don't have Instagram or Twitter or any of the other stuff. I or, don't. I just you know, this time for all that stuff. I just if if something I don't know. I, I just always looked at computers and the internet as if it's not working for me, it's working against me. So I I try not to have it suck my time out of my life. You know? Smart man. I'm yeah. I I used to spend hours and hours and hours and hours on computers every day. Now it's like part of my job. So now I try my best to stay clear of them if I can. And I'm I'm finding myself uh, being repelled by the internet. Like I've <laughs> I've I I get on there and I get mad at things and it's not good. So I just try my best not to post anything if I can help it. And I I put limits on my phone so no more notifications pop up for anything. Yep. And it's it's kind of nice though. I did the same thing. I turned all my notifications off. I want to get on Facebook. I'll get on and check it out a little bit and and. But lately, it's just been political, 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 political. I don't, yeah. You know, and I just, just, you know, I some of my friends would be like, "Hey, I'm gone. I'm gone for five weeks. See ya." Yeah, 
dude it's it's crazy though it sucks you in it sucks because i just i fall into the same trap that everybody else falls into and i i try my best not to and it happens (laughs) every time every time i can't help it so yeah it's it's crazy to like every single week it's just like your screen time on your phone is down and it's like good that's that's a good way to be you know it's uh, that means i'm present in my surroundings and i'm actually enjoying the people around me you know exactly um i'm at work doing my work actually you know and stuff you know whatever it happens to be so yeah so Gene is online if you want to you want to hit him up online. Um, otherwise, I'm sure you got. I'm sure you're going to end up with an MGCC Facebook page before too long. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. This is a good incentive to work on that. So yeah, I need to get that done. So get get our stuff out there. All and, right. Uh, yeah. So there's going to be a, a a limited, sparse, or probably no links for MGCC <laughs> underneath the description. <laughs> but, Unlike everybody else's. But it will happen. It yeah. will happen. Yeah. Um, I, I can't wait to go out and see you guys play live sometime. I missed the last show at Patty's Pub because I was playing a show in Des Moines. Oh. And it was... Uh, it was, it was one, epic. Yeah, it was one of those deals where I just couldn't make it. Uh, I made it to the last jam night there. And that was a deal where I'd, I went to a show in Des Moines... Caught another show in Des Moines, uh, saw the bands I wanted to see, and then drove up here. So I actually like went to three different shows that night, nice. and I ended up, ended up hitting the end of the jam night. And that it was stacked with people that last night yeah, there. That was a good night. That was a fun night. Oh, man. Well, thanks for joining me on the podcast, man. We've we've well eclipsed an hour here. So well, I, good. Yeah, that's uh, it's going to be a good one. Thanks uh, thanks for joining me, man. Well, thanks, Peter. It's nice. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, I'll get you uh, a bunch of information, probably more than you want. Yeah, send it over on Facebook or wherever. I don't yeah, well, you know. Email me, snail mail me, whatever you got. So I'm cool with it. Ten four. All right, thanks. Thank you, man. What did I tell you? Sitting down with Gene was a great time. I can't wait till I get to sit down with him again. I mean, it was uh, it was great. You know, just hearing a little bit about the ski band, a little bit about MGCC, a little bit about you know playing in bands back in the day compared to now. Uh, you know, being in a cover band, being in a band that makes their own music, uh, you know, playing music with your son, playing music, you know, playing music with your friends, uh, everything. We talked about so much stuff and uh, it all just kind of came naturally. We didn't sit down with uh, anything really to touch base on any topics. And, you know, I'm, I wholeheartedly want to bring Gene back again uh, for another episode because I feel like if he wrote a few things down, we could have another just absolutely stacked episode where we sit down and talk about music. So uh, I don't have any I don't have any links for MGCC, unfortunately, but I will throw a link to uh, Gene's Facebook page down below if you want to check that out. Uh, I may or may not try and find some ski band material and throw it down below. So if you want to check the ski band out, you know, it's pretty cool that uh, I've had a couple of Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Famers on the podcast. You know, kudos to them. That's not something that comes easily, and uh, it happens to very special musicians that have very uh, special things happen to them uh, through hard work and dedication. So shout out to anybody in the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, I got to make it up to one of those induction ceremonies just to see what goes on and and, and go tour the place and, and check it out. Maybe I'll go up there and try and find somebody to interview. That'd be a fun time. I just want to say thanks again to Gene for stopping by on the podcast. He came over to the mini studio I have here, and uh, you know it's 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 great having people over here because it's it's so rudimentary, but you know I just have a nice setup here. It's just comfortable to sit down and and have a conversation in. And uh, you know I super appreciate people making the time for it. So uh, thank thank you very much, Gene. I appreciate it. Make sure you go to www.audiblefarm.com. You can find links to everything we have, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
Uh, you can figure out where you can listen to us. There's tons of different places. Uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, uh, YouTube. I mean, you name it. We're, we're pretty much everywhere. Make sure you uh, give us a review wherever you are at. You can send us an email, audiblefarm at gmail.com. I want to say a huge thank you to the Iowa Podcast Network for doing everything they do for podcasts like this one. Check them out. There's a link below. All right. Just want to say thanks again to everybody checking out the podcast this week. Give another huge shout out to Mean Jane. Oh, it's so good. Uh, you know what? The uh, next episode appears to be episode number 40. Um, it's it's going to be a good one. So far, uh, as of the recording of this episode, I don't have anybody on the docket to fill out number 40. So go to audiblefarm.com and fill out the, uh, the form there, and I'll get an email for it. So that would be pretty awesome. So I appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening. I will check you next week with another episode that's going to be super awesome, I'm sure. So we'll see you. Peace. Peace.